this series gives you a direct line to the pinnacle traders. We're covering everything from when the odds are initially posted to looking at how the market might react. This is the opening line. The wait is almost over. Super Bowl 54 will soon get underway. After 266 games, plenty of winning and losing bets, it all boils down to one game. We've done our fair share of podcasts as the weeks have gone by, but for the final time on the opening line this season, welcome to Adam Chernoff. This is it, Ben. We made it. It's uh, the finale. It's one more to go, and then it's straight into Copa Sudamericana and Copa Libertadores. So I hope you're excited for both of those as well. That's it. The fun doesn't stop. How are you feeling for the the big game? You ready? Uh, I'm ready to go. It's. I mean, last year it really started for me. I don't want to say I don't have fun handicapping NFL. I love it, and it's obviously what I what I live for and what I get my living from, and it's what I do. But um, these. With the extra week and how much the season slows down in the playoffs and how the transition goes into things like golf and soccer and, and else um, after the game finishes, like it's it's hard to get out of that sort of mindset shift and come back like 13 days later after the conference championships to, to get excited about the game when so much is done early. But um, as much as it's become a bit of an inconvenience, I'm certainly excited and ready to go for a really good matchup that we're going to get between these two teams on Sunday. I was going to say, I've been speaking to you on a regular basis. I know you've had a bit of a an up and down season, more ups and a couple of downs, but you've put a lot of hard work. And if you could sum it up in one word, what would you say? Exhausting. <laughs> yeah, that's the, there's no other way to put it. Like this year was uh, certainly... It's going to end in the green. Thankfully, there was moments of doubt around week 15 or 16. But like I look at a season that was last year was one of my best seasons ever where I ended up ahead well, 14, 15 percent. Like it was just everything was coming through. This year started to the point where just before the midway point, I was I was ahead a little over 12 percent. Um, and then since about week eight throughout the end of the regular season, it was just a nosedive with nothing coming through. But the amount of I, I certainly probably did more work. I certainly did more media this year than ever before. Um, but in terms of just the process of work that I put in, uh, I really made an effort to organize things and make one week count towards the next in terms of the work I was doing this year more than ever. And just to have so many games go the wrong way with just little quirky things happening within them for like the span of seven or eight weeks to just see so much of the work rewarded early and then everything just melt away late in the season. Um, it was, it was just, uh, took a lot out of me, but so as much as I'm sad to see the season go, uh, it's quite refreshing to be moving on to markets where you can get a lot more volume and, and a lot more bets down where these swings are sort of not prolonged for two to three months, like the NFL due to the schedule sort of pushes it. So, um, exhausting would definitely be the word I used to describe it. Well, you certainly seem like a, a busy man. Your, your voice or your face or your, your articles are, are here, there and everywhere. Is that, is those media commitments, have they helped you, do you think? Or is it maybe maybe putting that content out there, you think about things a different way or has it gone the other way and it's kind of like you're you're exhausting yourself on the content side and maybe not putting as much into the betting? What's the, the what's the balance like? So I think it's it's twofold. I think it helped me more than ever be prepared for the beginning of the season. I did a ton of preseason work 
And when you're dealing with something like that, that doesn't necessarily tie in directly to the market, but you're looking at teams and players as we did with the preview on Pinnacle, or I did 32 different podcasts in 30 days in July, looking at the teams leading into the regular season, like all of that really helped me early in the season. But I can't help but notice, like when I started the year, I was doing this show, I was doing my daily podcast, I was doing another one. By the time I got to the middle of the season, what usually would be just every morning myself, which is part of my routine, but uh, like doing this show on on Monday morning early and then doing it Wednesday and then the other one on Wednesday as well. By mid-season, I had two on Wednesday. I was doing another one on Thursday, another one on Friday, plus my one every day. And I almost got to the point where I can sort of pinpoint as I did more media, the results started to slip. But I also look at it as almost like having conversations with a lot of people who I respect for 30, 40, 60 minutes and having those conversations in the context of being live on air where everything's the most polished and the most researched from those other people almost got me to a point where I lost and got away from my own numbers. And I don't know if it was a case of groupthink or what it may have been, but certainly with the increased media load, like I can almost pinpoint where on like my PL chart, where things started to go downwards and betting to where my media commitments went up. So next year, I'm certainly going to rethink how many I do. Um, I, cause I really think that this year to an extent as the year went on and I got involved with more and more conversations that certainly it took me away from sort of my own thoughts and sort of muddled it up with everything else. Well, I hope we're still high on your priority list. Not number one. <laughs> right. So there's, in terms of today's format, I think we can do the, throughout the playoffs, we did this little review on the, on the games of the teams and recent performances. So we can do that again. We can, we can take a detailed look at the odds and any market movement, and then we'll go into the matchup, maybe some props towards the end. If we've got a little bit of time, I think the, the first question that, that anyone's going to ask on a podcast or an article or whatever it might be relating to the Super Bowl is, what is it about the Super Bowl? Why is it so special, so unique? What what should bettors consider for this this one-off game, if if anything at all? Well, it's, it's obviously one game with two weeks of preparation. So it's unique in how long of a lead-up time there is in terms of when the market opens to when it closes. There's significantly more props on this game than any other game throughout the course of the year. Some bookmakers throwing out hundreds, if not into the thousands, in terms of the props that they're offering on this game. So from a handicapping perspective, every single little matchup on the field is going to be broken down by almost anyone betting this game. But rather than just being limited to the point spread and the total with the money line for the full game, you can really take advantage of those matchups anywhere you want. And we've already seen this year a number of props go in specific directions that you can't help really acknowledge or sort of correlated to what's likely to occur within these matchups. And so not only is it going to be arguably the sharpest market of the year in terms of how accurate the price is just because it's shaped by so much money and so much volume, um, it's also a spot where you can really pick and choose and get extremely specific with the angles that you want to take in. So there's there's really something for everyone. And I know that sort of the smart thing that a lot of people will say on a lot of shows and podcasts is that there's not going to be an edge on this game, so don't bet it. The, the fact is that everybody is betting this game. And for a lot of people just with so many different markets to choose from, you can find that edge really 
any way you want because it's so difficult for bookmakers to come out with accurate prices on all these props uh, and not expect to get sort of one-sided on a lot of them. So really a spot where you can take advantage of whatever you want that's unlike any other game in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely understand that mentality. If we were to say that would be a, a very short podcast, unfortunately. Uh, what we can do is we'll we'll start off with the teams and we'll, we'll we'll start with the Chiefs. I think a few people were disappointed with them early on compared to how they performed last year. I know Mahomes had a couple of injuries that kept him out and some people, some people, Adam, ranked them highly throughout the season and were always confident in their ability. I don't know who that might be. Um, but they did. I mean, they got better and better as the games went on and they were... They're a team that, that finally put the Titans hoped, uh, hype to bed in the AFC Championship game. What was your thoughts on that and, and maybe how the Chiefs have, have performed kind of throughout the season? So obviously the two injuries that you mentioned to Mahomes were key. He had the knee injury in that game against Denver. Um, he was dealing with other injuries to the ankle as well. He sustained in that Colts game. So you look at sort of the middle of the season weeks, top of my head, four or five to about 10 or 11. And he was never anywhere close to 100%. He missed a couple of games where Matt Moore stepped in. Um, so you, you have to sort of look at these full season numbers, which offensively ranked extremely high. Uh, and you have to wonder how much better these numbers could have been had he been healthy for the duration of the season. I think there's certainly an extent to that. But the thing that probably stands out to most to me with Kansas City is this is a team that brought in a new defensive coordinator in the offseason. They switched up their front alignment. And while 3-4 and 4-3 aren't necessarily um, the, like these base defenses that they're referred to aren't um, as nearly run it as high as a percentage of plays as they have been in years past with the changing offenses. When you have such a significant scheme change like that and you have a new personnel change, um, it's it's a really big adjustment, especially when you look at Spagnolo and, and how complex his defense is. So I think that really when we're looking at these numbers, the offense has been great, but the defense, you'll notice there was a very significant improvement as they got towards the end of the year. And a lot of people will point probably to the schedule and say that the opposing offenses dipped off. And that's certainly true. But I think that it's also a fact that this team was adjusting to all of those changes in the offseason and all those changes early in the year where they were getting familiar with the new plays and the new style of defense. They also lost a couple key guys in the offseason too. So there was a lot of adjusting for this defense early in the year. And this is a team in Kansas City last year for the bulk of the season. Everyone was saying if this team could just have an average defense, it's the best team in the NFL. They can win a title. And if you're watching these games, you could really see it sort of accumulate week to week as they improved on defense. And they ended up, up finishing the season ranked very high defensively against a very difficult schedule of opposing passers. So certainly the defense is what really stands out to me with KC. As great as the offense has been, that's really where I've seen the most improvement from the Chiefs overall. And then we've got the San Francisco 49ers. They're just a very consistent team. They obviously play well. I feel like with them, it's almost because they haven't had like a, a big injury of note that's maybe negatively impacted their performance, that it kind of has this impact on people's perception of them as as not as good as maybe they are. I know that might sound stupid, but when the Chiefs don't play well or or they get a bit unlucky, it makes them look better when they play really well. But the it doesn't it seems like the 49ers haven't really dropped off like that. They're they were never in trouble throughout the playoffs and maybe if the Saints didn't lose to the Vikings they could have given them a good game. But just very efficient. They looked as good as ever against the Packers. I think that game was pretty much over at half time. How have you rated the, the 49ers throughout the season? 
Yeah, as you mentioned, they've been extremely consistent. And they started off, it was through uh, about week six or seven, the, pa- the, the Patriots were obviously performing at an unrealistic level against that easy schedule. The 49ers were right there with them, especially early in the year. And this was a defense that was just playing off the charts. And they've really held that for the majority of the season. We've seen, I guess you can call it similar to the Patriots and how there were two very contrasting gaps in their schedule. First eight to nine weeks for San Francisco, very favorable in terms of the opponent they faced. And that's where a lot of these defensive numbers have been accumulated. And then you look at the latter half of the season, and those numbers have fell off. And while the competition has got a lot more difficult, uh, you sort of wonder how this uh, really, like what the true rating and skill level of this 49ers defense is. I don't think it's as high as a lot of people that are talking on the media this week. And a lot of people betting in the market, quite frankly, are giving it credit for but um, it's certainly a very consistent team throughout. I think we have to remember that Garoppolo was coming off of that knee injury a year ago, and so he was sort of limited going into training camp uh, early in August, and, and that was something that really a lot of people had concerns. I think we saw that earlier in the season, uh, especially in that opening game where it, it took him a lot to sort of get rolling. But you look at the San Francisco team, as competitive as the NFC was this season, they were three inches away from not getting these two home games in the playoffs in that week 17 game against the Seahawks where uh, Seattle had first and goal from the one with about 30 seconds left in the game. Ultimately, San Francisco ended keeping them up, uh, keeping them out of the end zone. But if that one play goes the other way, then this all of a sudden looks very different. So you can almost point to that play at the end of the game against Seattle as well as that game against the Saints, where it was a 48-46 win for San Francisco, came back very late. Um, awfully interesting to see how just two plays throughout the course of the season really could have changed this playoff run for San Francisco, which, as you mentioned with the Saints losing, I mean, this set up as good as it possibly could have for San Francisco, getting Minnesota and then the Packers, who probably the most fraudulent team to ever make the, that conference final. So um, awfully interesting how, the, again, those two plays really shaped this run for the 49ers. Right, so let's get on to the odds. we got just discussed two very elite teams. We know it's going to be close. We know there's going to be plenty of mar- money coming into the market. Pinnacle initially opened at a Pickham and a 52-point over-under. We mentioned that week we had in between. That week it was all about the over and the Chiefs in terms of the market movement. Um, the odds that are currently there not much difference between the minus one and minus two mark it's probably not going to get to the three but the total has shot up to 54 and a half a couple of comments from the traders here is that they're they're happy to take the bulk of money on the 49ers and still keep the Chiefs as the favorites and interestingly uh three times as many bets on the over than the under I think that's a theme that's emerged from right across the industry so what are your thoughts on the lines the the comments from the traders and maybe just how the market's reacted overall to to me, and I know you sent that early, so this is a bit of a post-reaction, but it's the first time I'm talking to you about it here on the show. Um, I was really surprised to hear that because, I mean, pretty well anywhere you look across the industry from whether it's the head guys at different bookmakers doing shows or anything that they're publishing or just sort of the overall perception of the market, you're, you're going to be very hard-pressed to find many places, if any at all, that are heavier on San Francisco in terms of the current liability than the Kansas City Chiefs. So that certainly caught me a little off guard. I was surprised to hear that. Um, 
I think sort of reading between the lines and putting together the pieces of what I know and where people bet that have a lot of influence with the market, I think I can sort of piece together why that may have shaped up as it is. Um, but certainly it was interesting to see that there hasn't been that volume support for Kansas City coming in at Pinnacle like there is across the industry. But in terms of the number, like I certainly think that the number short at one and a half, we've seen for really the entire season, especially in the latter part of the season, uh, in the AFC versus NFC Super Bowl props that have been available at a number of different places. Like it was consistently AFC minus three, AFC minus three and a half. And while the Super Bowl is obviously going to draw very different, um, not in saying that that was a true look ahead of any sorts, but we, it, it was just interesting to see that this dropped down as low as it did. And I think a lot of that just comes into sort of a collective risk decision. If this was put up at, KC minus three, like I think it should have been. Um, there's obviously the risk component to that, where it would have been a lot of San Francisco money coming in, as it already has. But as from a bookmaking side, you're opening up that key number of three, and and that brings with it a world of difference. And then in terms of pricing props, that's going to skew everything in favor of Kansas City. It, with the volume of money coming in on this game, like I understand why it was adjusted lower. And we're seeing it at one and a half, which is really a number that is was going to be hard pressed to move regardless of how the money came in because to flip through zero, uh, especially after establishing that would be pretty significant later in the week of the first week or even now into the second week, um, just because so many different prop markets and, and everything is just tied to how this game is priced from a full game perspective, that would just open up a magnitude of opportunities for people to go the other way. So once we sort of saw this come in at one, one and a half as sort of the settling point last Monday, Tuesday, it was sort of going to be stuck in the mud, as I like to say, for, for the rest of sort of the market lifespan. On the other side with the total, I think that this movement to the over, especially how early it came in, probably caught a lot of places off guard and just how heavy it has been. And it's been a pretty significant adjustment we're talking about essentially a field goal move coming um, up to 54. Like that's, that's certainly noteworthy. And there's a lot of very smart people that I listen to that are much smarter than I could ever imagine being um, in, in the industry in Nevada and across the United States who were saying that they were anticipating this coming back to like 51, 51 and a half very early last week. And now they're sort of changing their tone. And they're saying that there's just so much money coming in on the over that we can't get an under ticket. And it sort of caught a lot of them off guard. But in terms of just a lot of people that, that model the league and have a lot of success betting, I think it's hard-pressed to find anyone with a total in the 54 to 55 range. A lot of what I'm hearing is guys coming out with numbers 51, 52. I think 51 is the number for this total. It's probably a, a precursor to what I have to think about the game. But I do think that sort of the adjustment was made very early by books just because of how many other things apply to this game beyond just the side and the total for the full game well you alluded alluded to it there it's one thing to to analyze these odds but obviously we need to look through the lens of of the matchup and how things might play out judging by the odds that we've seen and and since everything went up it looks like it's a difficult one for betters to try and work out i guess we kind of touched upon it at the start there the 49ers they've, they've got a good all-round game their, their biggest strength on offense is running the ball and Although the Chiefs did shut down Derek Henry a few weeks back, you've talked about their their progression or their improvement on defence. You, you have to say that stopping the run is still their biggest weakness. 
Um, we've also got what is the best passing team in the league coming up against what is probably as well the best passing defense in the league. It's the Chiefs. It's not just about Mahomes. It's about the amount of options he has and probably throws up a challenge that, that San Francisco haven't had to deal with this season. So do you think you kind of touched upon the odds there? Do they do they accurately, accurately reflect this matchup? And you said about the total being lower. What What's in it for you here? So I think it, we can just sort of do both sides of the football here, and it probably makes sense to start with Kansas City and the offense, which is getting a lot of the accolades and the talk in the press. And I mean, rightfully so. This is a team that's performed uh, extremely good throughout the course of the season. We're looking at a team that's top five in passing success rate for the season. And like, there's no question that this offense is as dynamic as any in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes, very well the best quarterback in the league. There's no denying that. Um, Matched up against San Francisco, I think that they pose a couple of very interesting issues that the 49ers are going to have to game plan around. So we know that the 49ers defensively are built around their front four in the pass rush. They blitz less than 21% of the time, which is one of the lowest rates in the NFL. But they're able to generate pressure at one of the highest rates in the NFL, and they had nearly 60 sacks on the season. So in terms of getting to the opposing quarterback, like they're doing something just with four guys that a lot of other teams are having to do with five and six. So there's, it's built around this pass rush. When I look at Kansas city, it's not with, especially with extra time, it's not difficult to game plan and scheme to slow down a pass rush, right? What you want to have or the ability to do that is going to require you to have uh, a lot of speed, on your offense, which Kansas City certainly does. And it's going to require you to play very quickly, which is something Kansas City can absolutely do. And you're going to have to have some sort of resemblance of a deep threat or a threat in the screen game. And Kansas City certainly has both with Williams and Hill. So I look at Kansas City, and if they want to negate this pass rush, it's not necessarily something that I think they can do immediately out of the gate. It's going to take time. But this is a Kansas City team that has scored the most points this season with the fewest amount of drives. So like they're able to score and play extremely quick. And it doesn't necessarily reflect that in the down-to-down snap rate in terms of the time it takes Kansas City to operate. But when they want to go no huddle and up-tempo, prevent subbing, and keep these pass rushers for the 49ers consistently moving, I don't think it's going to be an issue for them to do that because they certainly have the personnel in order to make that happen. And where we see a pretty big drop-off for San Francisco and their pass rush is we know how good they are in third down. They're performing to an almost unrealistic rate in terms of success that they're having, not only getting to the quarterback, but stopping opposing passers on third down. But there's a bit of a struggle when you look at their first and second down numbers where they're dropping from one of the league's best to below average. And I think that just speaks about how Once they get into those known passing situations, the defense is extremely effective. When we look at Kansas City, they're one of the most efficient teams throwing the football on first and second down. And we've seen them already in both playoff games just go, okay, we're going to abandon the run and throw the football. They have one of the highest pass rates in terms of full games for the year. So if you're looking to slow down this pass rush, not only do you have the pieces and personnel on offense to slow down any pass rush just by design, But you also have a team that's very good at exploiting where San Francisco is the weakest, and that's on early down. So you throw in that element of uncertainty, whether it's going to be a pass or a run, and make the San Francisco pass rush respect that. 
that's an enormous advantage for Kansas City that I don't think San Francisco has necessarily seen over the course of the season. If we're looking on just true efficiency numbers from throwing the football, Kansas City at number one is going to be their most difficult test. And another thing I think plays into this that's getting a little bit underplayed, this Chiefs offensive line is a pretty big step up in class two. Uh, they're ranked fourth in adjusted sack rate allowed this season. So this is an offensive line that really can step up and play to the competition San Francisco can bring. And tying this all together where this gets interesting is we know the splits between Mahomes facing man and zone coverage. He's extremely good against zone coverage, struggles a lot against man. And a lot of that really has to do with the fact that he's able to escape the pocket where his passer rating goes through the roof when he's on the move. And it's not necessarily because he's making all of these fantastic plays. He is, but it's not just on him. It's a lot of the receivers having all this extra time to run around, all the speed that Kansas City has. When he's facing zone, he can get outside, and he has such a good connection with these receivers. They know when to sit down in the soft spots of zones. They know how to exploit a defense, and a lot of times you get guys like Hill or Hardman that are just so fast that defenders can't keep pace with them for five, six seconds when Mahomes is out of the pocket. So it's not just on Mahomes in terms of why he has so much much success when he's facing zone defenses. When we look at San Francisco, they play zone nearly 80% of snaps consistently in cover three, which is a defensive formation that Mahomes has a ton of success against and has throughout his entire career. So all of a sudden, if that pass rush can't get home and Kansas City is able to keep things up tempo, keep things moving, uh, I think that they're really going to negate a lot of what San Francisco can do up front. And Mahomes is certainly going to have a lot of opportunities against this pass defense, which as great as their ranking is, uh, we've seen a lot of these teams that resemble a similar style to Kansas City, whether it's having a mobile quarterback, whether it's having a top 10 passing offense, or, or just resembling a strong screen game, put up some pretty big numbers on this 49ers defense. So I think Kansas City offense versus defense here, Sets up pretty well, and it's, it's much more of a challenge for this Niners defense, which I think is getting a little overhyped uh, matching up against this KC offense. And just to maybe fight the corner for the, the 49ers a little bit, we mentioned there the weakness on the run for the Chiefs. If there is a, a pass defense that's going to stop them, it, it's got to be the 49ers. The other thing that people will be leaning on is the, the slow starting we've seen from the Chiefs recently. Is that something that potentially you could see play out or maybe the 49ers look to expose. And I guess the answer to that then going to be, well, then the Chiefs will just go through the air and and they'll claw it back like they have done time and time again. So good segue into my favorite look in the Super Bowl, which is first half under 27 points. And it was a number I was able to grab last week, still widely available. But what I've noticed with Andy Reid, especially throughout the course of this season, is it takes him like almost five to 15 minutes of game time, depending on how many drives Kansas City gets, but at least like two to three drives to really figure out what the opposing defense is doing. There's like this lapse, and then between him and the enemy, they're like, okay, we got it, and then Kansas City makes an adjustment in game between drives, then all of a sudden it turns around. I think it was pretty obvious against Tennessee as well as against Houston that that happened, but like I'm looking at other games throughout the course of the season where – was a very similar thing that occurred. And once Kansas City is able to figure out what's going on, then they're really able to adjust, and that's when they become deadly. And that's why we've seen the scoring distribution for the Chiefs between first, second, third, fourth quarter this season 
really reflect that. Where I like the first half under here, I mentioned the pass rush for San Francisco. Um, the 49ers are going to have to do something different on defense. And a lot of talk this week is a, like it's really easy to look back and analyze what teams have done, how they rank, and then project it into this game, which I think when you're looking at teams having five to six days of prep makes a lot of sense. But when you have a game like this in the Super Bowl, when you're giving both coaches an extra week to prepare, like things are going to look very different early in the game because it doesn't make sense to have this extra time and come out and do something that the other team is expecting you to do. So when I look at the 49ers, just from sort of a natural how the game is going to play out standpoint, the pass rushers are going to be more fresh in the first quarter and the first half than they are going to be later in the game. If Kansas City is ultimately going to wear them down with tempo and speed, throwing screens, um, that's going to have sort of a cumulative effect throughout the game. They're not going to come on the first drive and wear them down instantly on that drive. It's not going to happen. We've seen the 49ers throughout the course of the year be just – insanely explosive off of the line in terms of their pass rush early in games. And it just speaks to the energy and the speed and the athleticism that's in this defensive front. So I think from that perspective, knowing that if Kansas City is going to have success, I think they will. It's going to come as the game goes on. Initially, I think that this speed is going to be very difficult for Kansas City to adjust to. But knowing how good they are at making adjustments in the personnel they have, it's going to happen eventually. I just don't think it's going to happen early on. And I think from in terms of what San Francisco can do different, a lot of the pressure that they bring is just this relentless pursuit of the quarterback. And they know that they have so much speed on the defensive line, but also in the linebackers behind them that they just, as long as they can go all out and get the quarterback between Bosa and anyone else on the defensive line, they're just all out, full pressure at the opposing quarterback. That doesn't necessarily work against Mahomes because, as we mentioned, he's so good at getting outside the pocket. What I expect to happen is the 49ers to come up a little bit wider and sort of work their edge guys, rush a little bit wider, take a bit of a wider angle, and really put the focus rather than hitting Mahomes and getting to him early on just containing him inside of the pocket. And they're so fast that naturally if they're able to just contain them, they're going to collapse that pocket and get to them. So I think it's a spot where we see the 49ers defensively up front look a little bit different early with the focus on containing Mahomes rather than just trying to get to them and then open up that opportunity to sort of force him out with pressure outside of the pocket and get him into a spot where the 49ers become vulnerable in coverage. I don't think we're going to see a huge shift in terms of the coverage scheme that the 49ers put out, because I don't think they have the personnel to go pure man here against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to probably have to show a lot of cover one looks on third down if they're able to force them and sort of rely on their defensive line to get there. But I think there's going to be just this contain effort early on that's going to potentially catch Kansas City off guard, and we're going to have to see how they adjust to that, potentially go to a little more running early as these holes open up on the defensive line. But... I think that that's why one of the reasons we'll get into San Francisco and how they think they start offensively. But I like the first half under just because I think that defensive wrinkle that the 49ers are going to come with to look so different is going to catch Kansas City off guard. And as you mentioned, those slow starts, um, as much as it's been a product of some drops and some bad luck on some throws for Mahomes and his receivers early on, um, going to look a little bit different here as they have to adjust to 
a big step up in class in terms of the defense that they're facing. Well, there I think we teased one bet out of you that's that's already in, landed in your account. What else in the in the main markets from the from the matchup point of view have you got, or are you looking at for a potential play? Um, so I do have an equal position on Kansas City at at pick. I was able to grab that early number as you mentioned to begin the show. Um, I I probably like the first half under. I have more. On case I have an equal amount right now, but I'm probably going to leave more on the first half under as we get close to the game time. If I'm anticipating this number, maybe ticking up just a little bit, and I can go back with the money line that's a bit cheaper on San Francisco and reduce that stake. But I like Kansas City from the side perspective. I, I think the KC defense is going to surprise a lot of people who are sort of neglecting them in this spot, and I also think Jimmy Garoppolo likely to have a much better game than people are giving him credit to for and, and why that sort of doesn't maybe make sense to anyone listing why I'd like KC. Um, I, I've seen this defense and like their linebackers are an enormous liability. There's no question. And I go back to the preseason podcast. I did the preseason preview that I did with you here at Pinnacle. Um, and, and one of the guys that I focused on was Duran Lee, who was a former New York Jet. But he was he's a linebacker, and he's known for being a very good cover linebacker. And the Chiefs last year, throughout the course of the season, it was an enormous liability. Anyone could run on them. Anyone could find success offensively against them. Like, there was just a sieve in the middle of the field. And so I thought Lee was a pretty obvious signing for them, and I was mad that he left the Jets. But I thought that he was going to be this great fit for this Chiefs defense, who just lacks – anyone who can cover anybody from their linebacker position. And Lee hasn't ended up playing at all this season. I don't think he's featured in any games. Um, and Kansas City has really not changed a lot with what they have at the linebacker position. They're undersized. They're a tad slow and matched up against San Francisco. Like That's an enormous weak spot for them. And I don't know how they're necessarily going to match up against throws from heavy personnel. Uh, I think Garoppolo is going to have a lot of success off play action. And he's going to be able to move the ball against this Chiefs defense. But much like I mentioned with San Francisco, there's going to have to be something different that Kansas City puts on the field. And I think we see a pretty concerted effort to selling out to stop the run. And they were able to do it against Derrick Henry. I don't think a lot of people thought that they were going to be able to show that. Um, They ended up playing with a lot of six-man fronts. They did a very good job of stopping Tennessee from being able to run the football. And while Jimmy Garoppolo is not nearly as bad as what we're seeing um, sort of the market and other people in the media give him credit for being, uh, I think this is a spot where Kansas City can really take it, sell out and stop this run scheme that Kyle Shanahan is so good at putting together. And again, it's going to have to really result with them putting extra guys on the field, playing a little bit wider and stopping those outside zone runs where they like to get it out to Mostert. He's got all this speed. I think they're really going to do a good job of forcing uh, San Francisco to run back into the middle. And I think it's really going to be what they sell out early in the game. Another reason I like that first half under tying back to that is San Francisco runs the football at the highest rate in the NFL for the course of the game. But that rate run rate spikes in the first quarter and the first half. So if San Francisco comes out and tries to put forth their best run game from a scheme perspective, Kansas City is selling out to stop that. It's going to be another adjustment period early in the game. And I think Kansas City has the personnel to slow it down. Not sure they have the personnel to sort of contain that for the full game, but it gets to the point where San Francisco is going to be forced to play potentially a little bit of catch-up, in my opinion, if they fall behind 
Um, and that really doesn't suit this offense well. And it hasn't been something that Garoppolo has really been pushed on doing more than a couple times this season. And as much of an improvement I think we see from him in this game, I can't help but look back to that game against Minnesota where, in my opinion, it was the worst quarterback performance so far in these playoffs. I know Tannehill had some terrible numbers. Allen had as well. But if you go back and watch some of those throws that he was making, he wasn't asked to do a lot, but he was missing wide open guys. He was throwing behind his receivers. He was getting bailed out on tips. He was getting bailed out by some incredible catches by his receivers. I it just this game and this matchup against this Kansas City defense, which finished the year top five in pass success rate defense against the fifth most difficult schedule of opposing passers. I don't think that this step up in quality against opponent in this Kansas City secondary is really getting enough press and buzz. And I think it leaves an opportunity within this market that's really getting neglected. So for Casey, it's all about stopping the run. I think they slow it down early. And I think that that early stop of that run game is going to be enough to get Kansas City ahead. I think that's where the edge for Casey lies. But I just look at this as a spot where both teams struggle to get going a little bit early. And we see this start off slower than anticipated. At 27 in the first half, I think it's a nice look to the under. We talk about segues, Adam. That was a, a nice analysis of Garoppolo, maybe might, what we might see from him, so we can move on to our, our props. Obviously, you, you mentioned at the top there that that's kind of what makes the, the Super Bowl so special. It's obviously made into to a big spectacle, hundreds of thousands of props, length of the anthem, coin toss, co- colour of the Gatorade poured on the coach, don't think we're going to see any sharp action or, or trader insight from those, but maybe if we look to those individual player props and, and other derivatives, there there might be some more some more value for the listeners in there. The the traders did I nudged them for a comment and they did say there's been a fair bit of interest in Mahomes' total rushing yards at thirty point five and his longer longest rush being over eleven point five. No surprise that that comes off the back of what we've seen in the last couple of games. And your man Garoppolo, lack of passing against the Packers seems to have resulted in a spike in some of the interest in his range of passing props. I'm just looking now, we've got over 18.5 completions, over 29.5 attempts. What are you thinking for these then? So the props are interesting because like so many of them last Wednesday, Thursday, were just immediately smoked to the under. And I mean, we're talking skill players across the board. Uh, Mahomes passing yards, his attempts, Garoppolo passing yards, his attempts, all the receivers, the skill players, like Sammy Watkins came down 20 some points. We've seen drops with Hardman. We've seen drops with like so many different players were just hammered to the under. Yet all this money is going the other way on the total pushing it up. And I mean, they're not directly correlated because they're obviously different markets and, and one receiver can have a bad game and the total doesn't necessarily get affected. But to just see this widespread betting of unders, um, obviously with professionals and Super Bowls and games of this magnitude, there's always going to be sort of a willingness to bet something not to happen or unders to come through. That's not necessarily anything new, but I find it personally interesting to see such a divide between how this full game total is moving and how some of these props are moving. So that's very interesting to me. I think, as you mentioned, the Mahomes rushing yards, it makes sense not only from people seeing what he did in the last two playoff games, but also San Francisco and the pressure that they're able to generate uh, forces a lot of quarterbacks outside of the pocket. That opens up, maybe not, in my opinion, the potential for a lot of large runs against the primarily zone-based defense uh, where everything's sort of kept in front of the defenders. But it could, with this pressure, 
open up a lot of opportunities for a volume of carries and probably accumulation of five, six, seven yard runs. So um, certainly understand that. And I think from it being one of the few skill player markets that has seen the adjustment move up, uh, I think it's quite telling in that and really is reflected in the handicap that we just went through. Um, from Jimmy G, I think that the numbers are probably pretty fair. I think he finishes low 200s for passing yards and probably he finishes right in that 16 to 19 pass attempt range. So really not too much value there, in my opinion. There was, again, this opened a little bit higher. It's been bet down. If you're able to get that early under, I think you're holding a pretty nice ticket. But I think that those numbers are set quite well overall. Well, it's almost bringing a tear to my eye, but we're going to have to close the show off. Is there any final thoughts or any words from you, Adam, before we finish up? Uh, no, I just thank you to you and everyone at Pinnacle that was putting this together. I was happy to be a part of it. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in multiple times per week throughout the season. It was a lot of fun to do. And I know it was the first time that we did some podcasts last year in the playoffs. We did two or three, but to sort of get in the routine of doing it, you can sort of see the progression. I think that we had week by week because we got better towards the end of the year, but looking forward to doing it again next year and, and continue to improve. And hopefully the listeners feel the same way. That's it. Here's to many more. It's been great having you on throughout the season, Adam. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to share your insight. And I hope you end the season on a high and and maybe get some good luck or that that hard work pays off. So good luck to you. Right on. Thanks, Ben. Enjoy the game and we'll talk to you next season. And thanks to everyone for for listening. Remember to visit pinnacle.com for the latest odds and get those bets down before the big game gets underway. Best of luck with any bets and remember to please gamble responsibly. 